0: Welcome to Changeable. This is episode number 199. When a mind is not stressed, everything is possible with Thomas Lamy.
1: You're tuned in to Changeable with Dr. Amy Johnson. Changeable podcast is all about breaking habits, ending anxiety, and the ironic way change really works. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show.
0: Hey there, welcome back to Changeable. My guest in today's episode is Thomas Lamy. And Thomas is um, an awesome guy. He's a business psychology kind of guy. He worked with uh, government leaders, like presidents and like huge leaders for for years um, until the pandemic hit. Uh, He was also working with some businesses and organizations. And when the pandemic hit, everything was sort of uh, on pause, indefinite pause for a bit. And Thomas looked toward coaching. And in his looking toward coaching, he came across the understanding that we share here. And I love how he talks about how things shifted for him. It just sounds really beautiful and simple. And, um, I want to say inner <laughs> but just very innate. Very very much of like the world was in flux, his life was in flux, his career was in flux. Yet there was this growing peace that I know many of you listening know as well despite like totally regardless of everything happening around him. And and it really did something to him. And so now that he's back at work with leaders and organizations and high performing people um, he's coming at it from such a different way. And the title that I chose for this episode was something that he said that, you know, maybe not this amazing, profound quote or anything, but it really struck me when he said it in our conversation. He said, when a mind isn't stressed, everything's possible. And I love how he talks about how that is just, that's it. Like, that's it. That's the the basis, the essence of all of the work he does with people no matter who they are, it's the basis and the essence of all the work I do with people, no matter who they are and what they're struggling with. And I just really loved how he expressed it in such a such a beautiful, simple way. So Thomas is great. Uh, he has the best voice also. So you're in for a treat. If you can tune me out and just focus on Thomas's voice, you'll be very happy for the next 40 minutes. Um, he also has an excellent podcast called One Word, where he asks people to come just speak about one word that's meaningful to him, which I really enjoy. Um, So yeah, Thomas is great. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Thomas Lemmy. Hi, Thomas. Thank you so much for coming on Changeable.
1: Amy, it's a big pleasure to be on Changeable with you.
0: I love your voice so much. You have the best (laughs) podcast voice, so I'm excited to just get to hear your voice for the next little bit.
1: Well, thank you for saying so. And funnily enough, someone you might know, Lorna Davis, was on my own podcast uh, recently, and um, she said she could never listen to a full episode because I put her to sleep with my voice, <laughs> particularly when I had Wynne Morgan on, which is not the aim of the podcast, but uh, thank you for the compliment. it.
0: You know, we can all use some help sleeping. I think that's a compliment, really. I mean, to you have to really have a pretty calm nervous system to drift off to sleep. So yeah, I I take it as a compliment for sure if I were you.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'll take it.
0: Yeah, good. So, um, so we're gonna talk about business and the principles and this understanding and leadership and performance and stress and all kinds of great stuff. Um and And I'm really looking forward to that. But before we dive into that, I wonder if you could just say a little bit about how you came into this understanding and maybe like, like the main things that sort of done for you, what's changed for you. Yeah,
1: sure. Sure. So, I mean, just to kind of set the table, Amy, for more than 10 years, I was working in a field of consulting called Nation Branding. Not many people know about it. Um... And it's kind of hard to explain, but you get attached to a foreign government and you help them market the country to bring in foreign direct investment. So I did that in 15 countries, met my wife along the way, she's from Virginia and the States. And um, it was amazing exposure to leaders, to government officials, um, and a great kind of baptism of fire into a very high level of work. And it gave me a This is a very short version because there's lots of hills and valleys in between, but it gave me a love for great leaders, a fascination for their psychology. And in the beginning, the desire to reverse engineer them. So to kind of bottle up what they have as a kind of magic potion and sell it to other people. And I started to explore the idea of starting a training company when I would finish from that um, type of consulting. It's what I ultimately did in a very traditional sense um, of leadership development, first of all, in other words, instructional, like here are 17 ways to improve your performance or to be more productive or to um, gain more clarity, something like that. And uh, That was wonderful. And this was all pre-pandemic, Amy. But when the pandemic came, it was what I often call my tablecloth moment. So Mm -hmm. everything flew up in the air. My wife and I were living in Athens, in Greece, not Georgia, at the time. And uh, it was a total embargo or moratorium issued by training company or by companies at the time for trainings. Mm -hmm. So our income went from some activity with lots of potential to zero activity with completely unknown potential. Mm -hmm. And the fork in the road ultimately took me to the idea that I need to explore this notion of coaching because I saw it as something that, was not reliant on big corporate budgets. It was an individual decision and why not since no companies were doing anything before the implementation of virtual trainings and all that. So after a few different certifications in different areas of coaching and training, I was hit repeatedly by an ad from a fellow called Michael Neal and his course, which was Impacting Leaders. And it was my introduction to the principles that I know your audience are familiar with, but um, the principles behind our experience. And truth be told, Amy, we were on the island of Crete at the time. It was not a bad place to be locked down because Greece has all these islands, you know, so you could travel domestically. And I started to think that The clarity I was experiencing to a kind of, it was a a clarity I hadn't experienced before. My mind, as I often say, it was like crickets. I could hear sharper. Colors were more vivid. I said to my wife one day, I don't know what's going on, but uh, my mind is completely blank and I don't know why. And it took me a while to actually tie it to the context. That I was learning in the course. I thought it was just because we were on the island of Crete, which is a kind of very natural assumption, <laughs> you know, when the, the weather is amazing and you're on a Greek island with no tourists. But slowly I began to see that this, this was different, what I'm learning. It was having a dramatic impact. And um, I didn't know how I was going to I thought it was, was crazy at the beginning, the course I was learning, because how I could talk about states of consciousness to business leaders and to CEOs was, I thought it was ridiculous. But I kept going, and the benefits continue to surprise, alarm, and delight me. That uh, this, this, I mean, it's, it was kind of a 180. I think I was living in what I've heard George Pransky talk about as a high idol. So like being at a traffic light and uh, it's a red light, but you're kind of revving up the engine and always ready to go. So I was kind of living in that state of low level anxiety or um, stress and all the principles, learning them, it took that away. And it doesn't mean I'm not stressed or that I don't have anxious moments or even days. But my goodness, my quality of life was a vertical leap because in my finances didn't improve at the time. I had no idea where we were going to even live in terms of country because we were considering Ireland and America. Volatility was high. Complexity was high, but peace was also high. So I think learning the principles, first and foremost, it gave me a level of peace that is uncommon, is far easier to reach than most people think, and is a joy to share. That's kind of a long answer, Amy, but I hope I I covered what you asked.
0: I love that. It's amazing. And it really. I love when the peace is high and volatility is high and uncertainty is high because it just continues to show us over and over again. Oh, it's not what I how I thought it had to be. It's not that you know when this ends, I'll be okay, or when we make our decision, I'll be okay, or you know, it's none of that. That's so huge when life gives it to us that way.
1: And that's exactly right. I my own coach at the time when I was just a few weeks into this understanding, I remember calling her and said, I think I've lost it. I've lost my understanding. The uh, Like, I'm down for a few days, so I don't know how to get it back. And it was actually just her laughing that helped me see, oh yeah, yeah, you know. Movies have dips as well. They go up and down. It's all part of the story and it's all okay. And seeing that just because we know better, we can't always do better was just enough to bump me back into this unbelievable state of relaxation that's always there underneath stress, underneath anxiety. And um, it's always kind of trying to emerge, I feel like, like grass through concrete or something.
0: Yeah, that's great. So so with this new feeling of peace and this new understanding, some time went on and you started thinking about how how you might want to work once this pandemic's over or whatever, however that looked to you. So yeah, I'm curious how how that looked as you started to consider that from this new place, you know, did you, did you think about going back to kind of how you had seen done things before or what started to emerge?
1: Yeah. So I was just on another podcast a few days ago and this exact question came as well. So I have a very fresh metaphor in my mind, but I feel my mind at the time, as I was learning this new paradigm, And I was clinging to my old paradigm of knowledge and all the books I've read and all the models I've got trained in, neural leadership, all that sort of thing. It was like two great water bodies meeting. So like the Mississippi hitting the Nile and that turbulence was my mind. So as I was going into companies, what I did at the start was... I would dangle the carrot, so I would have five or six percent of my slides on my material from a principles standpoint, or from the inside-out understanding, and the rest of the material was safety, was the meta competencies of the twenty-first century, was the twenty-one steps to deal with with ambiguity, but a very interesting thing happened, Amy. I was doing a large leadership development training for leaders in the Gulf States. So Oman, Qatar, the UAE, a bunch of them together virtually. And at the end of this four-day training that I did, I polled people on feedback, okay? And the five to eight percent of the content where I let my guard down, where I spoke my own truth, where I shared stories that made sense to me with this insight of understanding how we're living in the feeling of our thinking. By an order of magnitude, this is what the people took from the training it's what stuck with them it's what they resonated with most mm-hmm. and from then i was like you know i'm onto something here i really have to just follow my heart mm-hmm. um and anything that stops me doing that is static in the attic is interference
0: yeah that's great so so it just made so much sense that things would begin to shift in a Mm -hmm. different direction. I mean, it was, it was obvious from, from the feedback you were getting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Really obvious. Yeah. And, and at the time as well, it was, it was, I didn't know. So I asked them in a few of them in the follow-up interviews about what they got from it and some of the things that they were sharing. I remember thinking, I didn't say that. Oh, they must have learned that somewhere else. They're only attributing it to me. Now, (laughs) I understand it's because it was the insight they had, Mm -hmm. their own insight, their come from, not what I did. All I did was provided or helped facilitate a space for that insight to occur. Yeah, Lovely feeling.
0: It's so huge. I think that's it's so big to to mention that you know what we share it's like less is more and really we're just pointing in this direction and then they are going to hear and see things that we could not possibly predict and i yes. just love that so much about this work i mean in part because i think that's why doing this work feels so good is we need to sort of leave ourselves And all our thinking and and even a lot of our knowledge and all of our assumptions aside. And it feels so good to just step into that space of complete unknowing and Mm. just point to something off in the distance that we do know. And then this is just my words, but. And then just kind of like leave it there. Do you know what I mean? It's like you could show those slides, you just sort of back off and then look, by our nature, all sorts of things pop for those people. But it it makes it so easy in a sense for us. And it's so magical to watch it happen.
1: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, how do we learn? But by bumping into things. So figuring that out has been huge for me as well that I don't need to handhold clients or teams or companies. All I can do is help to point. And I think that's all we do anyway. You know, we point in a direction and they either look or they don't. And if they look, they might see something or they might not. But by and large, if they look long enough and the conditions are friendly for sailing, they will sail into a wonderful insight that will have far more impact on them than teaching them 10 ways to engage in psychological safety in the workplace. Right, you
0: know? right. So, so when it comes to being a good leader or performing well, no matter what you do, what do you how does that look to you now? I mean, I love how you said you used to watch these huge world leaders and try yeah. to kind of reverse engineer it and find that magic potion. I'm curious if the things you saw in that magic potion before, if some of them are there now, if that looks completely different, you know, like, yeah, what's really behind <laughs> yeah. it?
1: Great question. Yeah. Um. Well, what I would say I figured out, Amy, is that the potion isn't magic, first of all. <laughs> And there is no magic potion. But what, like, there was a Harvard Business Review study a few years ago. It polled thousands of leaders on when they feel they perform at their best. The state of mind, actually, I think they feel like they perform at their best. And I remember reading this article and thinking, oh yeah, This makes a lot of sense because as I uh, correlate back to the reference points I've had where I would sit down with presidents or billionaires or CEOs, and um, it was always the ones in the most present state of mind. They were the warmest, the most engaging, the most endearing. You would know. In an office of a great leader, when you walk in, or when my wife and I would walk in to talk to them about foreign direct investment or something, you'd get a feel pretty quickly how the leader is going to be based on the environment, mm-hmm. how easygoing people were. And on the flip side of that, you'd also kind of get a sense of what to expect if there was a baseline level of fear or fright in employees' eyes. Now, to kind of tie back into what I was saying about the HBR article, leaders perform at their best when they're in a present, relaxed state of mind. That's it. That's what this 250,000 data points pointed to this, this top of the bell curve, where they're relaxed, where they're easygoing, where they're in a state of mind where they're not thinking about their own performance. So they're not holding up a mirror, you know, how am I doing with this metric? Am I meeting this KPI? And living in that state of analysis paralysis, they're looking outward. Mm. And just by that simple act of not focusing on the self, you're not clogging up the pipes So performance has the opportunity to flow through you, you know? So in some ways, when we're talking about the principles and how we psychologically function, I feel like science is just catching up to that now. Like I was listening to an interview with Johnny Wilkinson. He's an amazing rugby player in the UK.
0: Love his podcast.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I am. I'm talking about the last episode. I could only listen to some of it because... It, uh I felt it was pointing in the wrong direction, but he was interviewing a, an expert on stress, and uh he asked her why why does the why is the the theory out there always pointing to the fact that we must be serious, we must be focused all the time um and even my manager speaking from him was saying that look at Johnny's face on the bus, it's stoic, it's focused, that's what we all should be, and taking away this kind of level of fun and engagement and relaxation to push towards something much more streamlined, pipelined. But when we know that we perform at our best when we're not actually in that state of um, conscious, focus, you know, when we're just relaxed and easygoing in spaces is uh, created overall. Yeah.
0: I love what you mentioned about when we aren't focused on our own performance or even on ourselves at all. And I think Mm. that just rings so true. I remember in psychology hearing that P, that what depress. I don't, this is just my words in this moment, but essentially what I heard was that depression is, is, is really just a uber focus on yourself. Like for any of us, any of us, if we think a lot about me and my life like how am i doing in life how's it going for me am i doing it? i mean that's not going to feel good even if you're doing great <laughs> you know even if your assessment is oh i'm doing great i still i still think when me when i am the subject of my own thinking there's tension there there's stress there there's there has to be a huge just Diminishing of of what's available and what's possible. So I love how you yeah. said that, and and well, that's essentially what this understanding, what we're looking toward, does mm-hmm. naturally for people is we start to just melt this idea of even a me and that there's a me in my life and what matters here, and we're just in yeah. this yeah. where everything's doable.
1: And funnily enough, my wife is currently reading your book. Just a thought and um, I've read it more than once and I love it but one thing that I remember thinking while I was reading it was my god we are constantly providing ourselves with a psychological audit moment to moment Mm -hmm. like how am I feeling how am I feeling now Yeah. how am I feeling now (laughs) and to your point that is exhausting because first of all what are you analyzing you know Right, right. <laughs> it's made up. Yeah. So what are you going to find? But yeah. more need to analyze. It's it's a wormhole that just keeps going, you know, to the center oh. of the earth.
0: Yeah, so huge. And you're right, we're analyzing something that is fleeting and it's meant to be. And we're analyzing it from a mind that's saying, okay, there's, this should be a certain way. And how is it? And yes, I mean, it just you're right. It's a total wormhole and there's no way to find peace in that. And I think that's Mm -hmm. so huge for people to see because, and especially people who are used to being very successful and high performing. I've seen this a lot too, where it's like, they, they have a theory shows up about how they succeeded in the past. And it's just a thought. Yeah. It's a made up theory. It's not true. But, yeah. but our mind will extract some theory for here's how I did that. Or here's how, when I was happy, here's what was going on. Just like your mind was when you were on Crete, yeah. right? Like, here's what's <laughs> doing it. And then those, we, we forget that we made that up. We don't even realize it. So yeah, to like, just just be in this freshness and not need to feel like we need to keep track and reproduce something. And, you know, I mean, it, it just starts to take so much off our minds.
1: Yes, it does. It really does. And, I mean, I remember when I was starting to become impacted by this understanding in the beginning. Things were changing, and I didn't know why overnight amy i went from you know the inside timer app have you ever heard of it it's a meditation app it's it's a, like calmer headspace i had meditated for eight and a half thousand minutes in the months coming up to this realization that was more than 2 years ago and i've never meditated since because it doesn't make sense to me anymore Yeah, It doesn't make sense to try and manage my thinking, to try and focus on getting rid of thoughts to get into a state that is going to show up when we stop trying to get into it.
0: Yeah, I love that. So with these really good leaders and just people who are performing at a high level, do you think they know? Like we had a, we had a conversation in my community recently about how the essence of this understanding is in every good song lyric. I mean, any song that has been a major hit that every, you know, that just resonates, like you will hear this in it, in so many movie plots, so many, so much great, so many great novels, just such great fiction. It, It's revolving around this in one way or another. And I think that's why it just deeply resonates with people so much on some level. But we had this fun conversation, like, do they know? And I've listened to so many songs and been like, does the person who wrote this song know what they're talking about? Or is this just life spilling through them? And and it just so happens to be full of truth. So I doubt that they had all studied all kinds of things, you know, and then like, oh, I learned something about the principles or spirituality or my essence, and I'm going to go write a song about it. I I suspect there's a lot of just creative energy that shows up through people. And when it's expressed, is full of what we would call truth and what makes so much sense, but that you almost don't know that you know if that makes sense. So, so for the leaders, I'm curious about that. Like, do they, do you think they have a sense that, oh, when I'm in this space, things go well, or that they don't have to pay attention to their thinking? Or do you think it's just something that sort of is intuitive and maybe they've just felt into that?
1: Or, I don't know. Well, that's a really interesting topic. And I think The short answer is it depends on the leader, but by and large, I would say that it's an intuitive understanding rather than a conscious awareness that they perform at their best when they're not distracting themselves or when there's less on their mind Mm -hmm. or um, when they're in a state of presence. I would say that, that the, the best leaders I've seen are the ones that are fully engaged in the moment. So you're with them. You're all that's with them. Mm-hmm. They're not thinking about, you know, their kids ballet dancing or their, their um, board meeting at 4 p.m. Their world is in the room with them. Yeah. And I think that largely is intuitive.
0: I you agree know. with you. I love that. It, you're right. It doesn't matter what we can say we know or if there's a framework around it. it it's felt. It's almost like yeah. a visceral sense that I think we tap into and I'm sure unconsciously not even realizing it.
1: But Yeah. yeah. And you know what? It's magnetic. When When a leader is that present at that level, mm-hmm. everyone wants to be with them. Yeah. Because they're, they're expressing their innate creativity. They're, they're letting it flow through. And that in itself is appealing. You know, like if you walk into a room of, of people, like a, a cocktail party or something, if you're a fly on the wall and you look around, you can tell the people that are present. And they're the people that are having a really good time. And that's where you want to walk, you know. Yeah. So it's, it's magnetic. I've come to see that as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. What do you think's going on? Cause there's, there are, I'm thinking back to bosses I had when I was working and things like that. And just leaders that I know, and you know, there's for sure, like you mentioned earlier, sometimes you walk into a workplace and there's a little bit of fear in everyone's eye (laughs) and that, and, and, uh, yeah like there's many, many stories of that the super type a controlling stressed out leader that people are sort of afraid to talk with yet yeah, there's some what we might call success there. There may not be a lot of peace, but there's some success there so how like how do we make sense of that like is it just that our mind is so smart that we can override and push through to a certain point, but that ultimately Of course, they're going to burn out at at some point, or like, yeah, what do you make of that?
1: Well, I think it depends what kind of lens you're looking at success through. Because if success is a workplace that has a huge turnover, high revenues, and large profits, We're just looking at success as that. Maybe they're very successful. But a workplace that employees feel under threat all the time, where they're afraid to express themselves, they're caught in a misunderstanding, and um, it's a toxic environment for want of a better expression. Mm. That doesn't sound very successful to me. Yeah. Yeah. So it's about how we, how we define success, really, you know, like broadly speaking, Donald Trump comes to mind, you know, like I wouldn't like to work for him. Mm. Would you?
0: No. (laughs) No. Yeah. But
1: yet in some ways you could define him as, um, successful. You know, So I think it's it's the come from as well, how, how we would define it. But I mean, ultimately, people are brilliant. So if we look at an organization and wonder why they're doing well, it's because they have great people doing great things. Yeah. And um, whether they're in a state of fear or whether they're in a state of comfort, they still have the ability to do great things when they let their innate capacity come through them. You know, yeah. so maybe that's a kind of simple way of answering.
0: No, I, I think that's just really simple. It makes a lot of sense that we, mm. we are so brilliant. And even in, even in really rough circumstances, our brilliance really can't be completely squashed, which is, which is great. It's just that it can just shine so much more. Yeah. So if someone feels like they, like, say some, say you're working with a, an organization and you talk with an employee and they feel like they're just really underperforming and they you know yeah like let's just say they come to you and they're like I don't know Thomas I just feel like I'm not doing my job well and I know I could be doing better I mean what where do you think that exploration might go like what would you be really curious about in that
1: yeah oh yeah so that's actually happening right now um with a coaching client that I was talking to on um Friday. But see, I do get very, very curious, as you mentioned, but ultimately conventional approaches to leadership development, training, to coaching would immediately hand over a Bible of to-do's to this person. So you must um uh deal with volatility. You must handle uncertainty. You must attack complexity and you must manage ambiguity. Now, Amy, does that sound very uh, enjoyable or very easy to, to begin for, some, for a mind in a stressed out state? No, no. but that's, that's what we're doing. We're adding more on to people to who already feel completely overburdened overwhelmed and stressed to the nines so what i do is first of all as long as it takes i will level with them just allow them to 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 shoot back and forth to kind of steady the ship mm-hmm. and in that position you can only really work with someone there anyway in my experience. So then I can help them see that a mind in a stressful state is like a flat tire. It's unable to perform at its best. Or as Robin Charbert would say, it's like driving with the emergency brake on, you know? Mm -hmm. And when then through the, the method of deep conversation, what generally happens is they'll start to see how they are, holding the handbrake up. Mm-hmm. So naturally, when you see that you're inhibiting your performance or you're, you're, innocently, very important, holding yourself back, you stop doing it. It's like the sailboat example, you know, trainee sailors on a sailboat, The sailboat falls over. It's a race. They hold on to the sails. They don't know what they're doing. A more experienced sailor comes by and says, let go of the sails. They let go. The keel stabilizes the ship, the boat. They climb back on and they keep sailing because sailboats are designed to stabilize when you don't interfere with them. So when this example person will see or sees that all they have to do figuratively is let go of trying to manage their own thinking or manage stress and the mind with its brilliant capacity will take care of the rest so you can stop putting out the fires you can stop playing whack-a-mole It's easier than you think. Clarity is always there underneath, you know. So I would just help them see that there's a different way that they may not have known and that they definitely didn't expect. And that is always a joy to observe, you know. And it seems so simple. I'm sure you come across this a lot with your work as well. People would say it can't be that simple. But then it starts to ruminate and it starts to, they start to wonder, is it that simple? Yeah. And then a week later you have your next conversation and you're greeted with, Oh my God, it's that simple. <laughs> I am creating my own stress. Yeah, And you're like, yeah, <laughs> welcome to the club.
0: I, I love that. Um, I mean, that's, you know, there's, uh, that's exactly kind of how you help anyone with anything. And I love asking this question of people who work in all kinds of different areas, right? So it's like, we're talking about an employee who feels like they're underperforming that. I mean, and these are just words, but in a sense, what you just pointed toward is of course, that's exactly how I would work with someone in a habit or exactly how someone would help someone through a relationship issue or anything. It's the same mm. thing, right? It's always, and you're right the world gives them more like oh oh yeah. you have a really debilitating habit okay well you need to muster all your willpower and all your discipline and here are five new things you're going to bring in like are you kidding me you're this is yeah. the time when you're the most depleted exactly. and now you're supposed to do more and and so i love how you just talked about that is it's just a complete flip It's like, no, what if you're habit-free by nature? What if your nature is as a high performer? And then you start to just have that conversation where you pick apart all the conditioning. You know, you can just help them see no, it is that simple. Oh, over here. Now that's it's that simple here too, you know, and it's just such so fun.
1: I invented a term, Amy, in the course of my trainings during the pandemic. I called it executive nowness, which is simply <laughs> a very fancy way of saying the present moment, and I was doing a training on to a business school in Ireland, so there is about sixty people there, and they were executives studying uh, management part time in this this business school. But my whole approach to that training was: you cannot build a castle on sand.' Mm-hmm. And we cannot build any meta-competency or skill set on top of a mind that's stressed. Like no matter how good the book is, it could be just a thought, for instance. But if you're reading that book and your mind is elsewhere and it's putting out figurative fires all the time, there's no recall, there's no take from, there's nothing. There's no relation at all to the material because you're living in, in this uh, alternate universe in your mind. So helping people see that when the mind is not stressed, everything is possible. It's not just that we can learn some things or we can do a little bit better. It's like if an organization of a hundred people, all are coming from this space inside, where they know they perform at their best when they're present and their state of mind is calm and relaxed. Well, I've yet to meet that organization, but I would really love to.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love that. When, when, when your mind is not stressed, everything is possible. And that mm-hmm. is just, and that's so hard to hear when your mind is stressed. <laughs> because you can't because even it is, hear it. You can't hear it. Exactly. You're just looking for more. Okay, then how do I unstress my mind? You know, it just like feeds on itself. But that, that phrase, I mean, it's, it's just huge to see that, mm. that that's the bottom of everything. It's, that's so big. I love this conversation and I had so many things I wanted to ask about that we didn't even get to, but this is so good. So thank you so much for, for sharing. I love hearing how, again, whether it's habits or depression or stress or leadership or anything, it's, those are all just different words for the exact same thing and just how universal and simple this is.
1: For Sure. Absolutely. And Amy, it's just been brilliant chatting with you and I've enjoyed it immensely.
0: And I'm, I'm going to share your podcast. Can you share a little bit about it? I think it's so good. Oh,
1: yeah. Great. Thank you. So my podcast is called One Word. And I tried to start a podcast for a few attempts, actually. But I realized I was pushing it and I didn't care about it. And I was trying to start one because I thought I should. And people were telling me I should. But then one day I had my own insight and it was like a bolt from the blue where oh my goodness i can invite people on and rather than just dwelling on an origin story which certainly has its place but i could talk to them about one word topic or concept that they have the freedom to go in any direction but we stay on that word the idea was that so many podcasts i think you hear great things and then they go away from it and away from it but so i wanted to make like down chunk into one word. And you, as a guest on my podcast, you talked about change, one of the most popular episodes. It's a wonderful episode. I encourage anyone to to listen to it, but that's the idea. So it comes out every week and I have brilliant guests discussing a word that's important to them from an entirely fresh perspective.
0: I love it. It's so good. And I love the idea for it. You're right. I mean, it's just so, it's just really good. It's really creative and really great to just have people on that one word. So I'll share that. Thank you so much, Thomas. It's been so good to talk with you. My
1: pleasure. Thank you so much.
0: After a very long, very virtual two years, the amazing Little School of Big Change Live event is back. We'll gather in person from June 3rd to 5th in Chicago, for two and a half days of connection, exploration, and a lot of hugs, laughter, and insights around this year's theme, which is life appearing as everything. I would love to gather and immerse in this conversation with you in person in Chicago in June. For full details, visit dramyjohnson.com lsbc Live 2022